Welcome to the Crux Podcast and Sermon of the Week. For more information about the Crux Ministries and Summit Church, please visit us at summitsanmarcos.com. summer the year was 2002 (laughs) I was 11 years old yes this was in a time in a young boy's life when I didn't have a ton of friends yet I didn't definitely didn't have a lot of responsibilities and summer vacations went on forever (laughs) It was me, my brother, and my grandma as our babysitter. Sunrise to sunset, Sunday to Sunday, all the way until school started again in September. And this is where we found ourselves, me and my brother, and we actually had my cousin over this day, and we were just bored at our house. Pretty much just in there, nothing to do. This was like day 100 of nothing to do. And we were bored. We were bored out of our minds. And all we had to save us were Game Boys. How many of you guys had Game Boys? You know what I'm talking about? Oh man, the OG time waster, road trip toy, summer just reliever. Like it's great. It's great. This was all we had to get through those days that were just so long. We had nothing to do. And it was a particularly hot day, and heat is never my favorite thing. And I literally, I remember getting up in the morning and being like, all right, guys, time to play our Game Boys. My brother turns his on and makes that little, like, ding noise. My cousin turns his on, ding. I turn mine on, nothing. No little red indicator light, nothing. It's, it's dead. It's beyond dead. Batteries just fried. Just nothing there. And I'm like, okay, try not to panic. It's all right. I check every cabinet in our whole house. No batteries. And the batteries we did, okay, I should have meant that. We did have batteries, but we had AAA, which my Game Boy didn't need. We had 9-volt, which my battery, my, my Game Boy didn't need. We had the C and D batteries. I don't know if those are extinct now. You know what I'm talking about, like the big old thick ones? We had all those, did nothing for me. There was nothing that I could get my Game Boy to power. And I was so frustrated. It was like 8 or 9 in the morning, and I'm like, what am I going to do all day? Like, I'm so bored. And I don't do well with boredom. And so I was sitting there with my cousin and my brother, and I'm like, you know, I can figure this out. You know, I'm smart. I'm almost a sixth grader. Like, I can, I can figure this stuff out on my own. I can power this Game Boy. I don't need batteries. But somewhere in my brain, I knew what I really just need is batteries. That's all I need. <laughs> to get these batteries, I really just need money. Money is not something I have at this point. So what I really just need are my parents. <laughs> I just need my parents to be able to go to the store, spend a dollar or two, give me these batteries, you know? All I need, all I need to do is ask them, hey, when you guys get home, can we just get some batteries because I'm out and you know, I'll, I'll walk the dog, I'll take out the trash, whatever. Like, I'll, I'll do whatever's needed, give me those batteries. But no, even though I knew that that's what I needed, even though I knew I needed to just ask when they got home, part of me was like, yeah, but I got this. You know, I can do it. I, I got it. It's not that hard to figure out. And so in my brain, I'm like, all right, all right. And this is my, my almost sixth grader logic. I'm like, I need power for my Game Boy. I have no batteries. What else has power? 
and immediately it strikes me like inspiration, like lightning bolt. I'm like, the electrical outlet. We have them all over our house. Like they're everywhere. It's like power on tap. You know what I mean? Like I just, whatever I need, that's fine, you know? And I'm like, this can't be that complicated because all you have to do is stick little metal things in there and your light turns on, everything figures out. So I'm like, all I gotta do is figure out a way to get the power that's in there into my Game Boy. Because I'm sure it's all the same and I'm sure there's nothing to circuitry or you know, amperage or volts or any of that. You know, I, I, I think all things are equal. If I plug it in somehow, it'll power it like my batteries did because why not? You know, and, and my logic as a sixth grader was just unassailable. I'm like, this is it. This is how the world works, physics, you know? And so I'm like, all right, now I have to figure this out. I probably can't cut, like, power cords off of stuff, or my mom's going to be real mad. I'm like, but what I can do is I can raid all the drawers in my house that I've just ransacked through looking for batteries, try to find miscellaneous items, and make some way to power this Game Boy. Because, again, I'm a genius. And so... <laughs> So I'm like, all right, all right, okay. And like my, my cousin and my brother are like, this isn't a good idea. And I'm like, hey, back off, I got this. I'm like, all right, I got a pencil. I'm like, okay, step one, pencil, something to hold, I like this. And I'm like, and I have like 50 paper clips. I'm like, I can totally make this work. And so I unravel, I unravel a bunch of paper clips, right? I tape them to the pencil so that there's four prongs. Two coming out this way of the pencil, two coming out the other end of the pencil. And I'm like, well, it's not going to work because the tape is going to stop the flow. The pencil is going to stop the flow. But if I make a chain of paper clips at the edge of the prongs across to the other edge, it's all metal. It'll probably, the word I was looking for was conduct. I'm like, it'll probably go across because metal's all conductive and I can just go. So I do that. I have this pencil on it, forked ends of paper clips, and then a chain of paper clips going from one fork to the other fork. And I, I, I get two of the forks and put them in the terminals of the Game Boy. I'm like, okay, this is where the battery goes, this is where the prongs are going, and I like twist them and get them to fit. And I'm like, all that's left is for me to just plug it in. Like, like a nightlight. I've done that a thousand times and I've only been zapped like a dozen. You know, I can do this. I can totally do this. And so I get it. And my brother and my cousin are like, we think this is really stupid, but we'll watch. And I'm like, <laughs> and I and like, part of me is like, fools. Like, I know how this works. Like, but prepare to be amazed. And so I get on my knees in front of the outlet in my brother's room, because I want to blow out my, my outlets just in case, you know, you never know. And so I'm like on my knees in my brother's room. I'm like, all right, guys, get ready. And I just shoved it into the, the outlet, right? So this next part's a little weird. Because um, <laughs> at first, nothing really seems to happen, but it, it kind of does, because I'm hearing like weird sounds and my arms are kind of like shaking. I don't know if it's because I'm nervous or what's going on. Um, and then literally, sparks, like big sparks. Like we're talking like, you know, like industrial machine shops or like metal on metal and it's like it's like freaking like that like rain and it just blows out and just sparks are everywhere and the next thing i know i'm on my back with the prongs like pointed in the air and there's like sparks and and we had we had paper and all sorts of crap and carpet and so it started to start to catch a little from the sparks and so my brother and my cousin are trying to put that out and meanwhile i'm like on the ground kind of dazed like am i a genius still like what and Anyway, I didn't, I didn't even really get electrocuted, you know, I didn't really even get that zap, 
but I looked at the, the thing I was holding, and my thumb stopped, like, you know, right there. About a millimeter in front of that, there was a charred black line because all of the electricity discharged at this one point. And it was like right above my finger. And I'm like, wow, that's crazy. My Game Boy still doesn't work. You know, <laughs> you know and, I, and I blew out the outlet. My grandma's like, hi, Mijo, what's going on? And I'm like, oh, crap, nothing. Um, anyway, and so... <laughs> So anyway, what, what's the point of that? What, what, what the heck does that have to do with anything? We're going to get to that, but first I really just want to pray. So dear Lord, we just thank you for your goodness. God, I thank you for sparing my life. And I, I just pray that tonight you really just help us to hear from you words you want to speak about the dangers of being too self-reliant and the dangers of being too independent. And so God, we just thank you for this time. We thank you for open hearts, God. And we just pray that your will be done in this house. And we just thank you in Jesus name. Amen. 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 So that's what we're talking about. If you guys didn't see the sign or the, or the Facebook post, this is the summer of freedom. For those that are new, we're doing a whole summer series about being free, being free from things that hold us back, being free, period. You know, we already had some really, really great speakers on some really, really great topics. And this week when I was praying about it, I was just thinking, we need to be free from kind of an independent spirit. <laughs> we need to be free from self-reliance, <laughs> you know? And I was like, I think this is one of those messages that's going to offend a lot of people, right? Because independence, because self-reliance, because all these things, it, it, like, it like touches and overlaps and hold hands and pinky swears with pride, you know? And anytime you hit pride, that dude's a jerk and he'll punch you in the face. And so, so this is going to be one of those. But it's a really important message because as believers, I really believe that we need to be free from self-reliance, from independence, from even like perfectionism. <laughs> and, and I think part of that too is like we need to be free to be team players. <laughs> you know, we think about as Christians, the body of Christ you can't have a more integrated team than that when you're all one organism, one body, one, one force, you know? You have to be a team. <laughs> and so tonight we're talking about that because I believe that if, if, if we harbor too much independence, if we harbor too many of these things, we really just open our hearts to so much um, pride. And, and, and so much... Um, What's the word? We, we, we weigh ourselves down too much. Because when we're, when we're responsible for everything, when we're on it on our own, we feel alone because it's like we're all we have. <laughs> the failures are deeper because we're all we have. <laughs> I don't believe that that's the way we're supposed to do the Christian life. I don't believe that's the way life's supposed to be. Um, so that's where I want to dive in tonight. And, and I realized, like, I was trying to make, like, the three-point sermon. Like, point one, this stuff. Here's some scripture. It didn't really come out like that. Tonight it was really like, I really want to just clarify the differences between a couple ideas. And my first one is explaining the difference between independence and empowerment. Because sometimes we, we think of those as the same thing. And what do I mean by that? I mean, we can, some kind, we can sometimes equate the idea of dependence or reliance, like we, we need this thing. We, we equate that with weakness. As if to say... Because I am not totally self-sufficient here, it means I am 
weak here because I cannot do it totally by myself. Therefore, because I am dependent in any way or because I am reliant on people or whatever in any way, I must somehow be weak because what's strong is everything by myself, right? And me being able to handle it. And that means I'm an adult and that means I have complete autonomy and I'm strong and I can, I'm I'm whatever. (laughs) And, And we equate independence with this feeling of being empowered and strong enough and big boy or big girl enough. And the thing is, those, those are very different things. <laughs> I think almost immediately, I was just struck by, this was a couple years ago, when, it, when I really gave my life back to the Lord and when I really began to press in and, and was like, I want to read the Bible, not because I'm forced to, not because my parents want me to, my friends want me to, my school wants me to, my little societal clique wants me to. I want to read it because I want to understand who loves me. I want to understand who I'm serving. I want to understand this Jesus because I already know he's real enough to me that I need to give him my life and I really want to know how he operates. (laughs) I really want to know what he says. I really want to know what he says I'm supposed to do. And so I'm going through the gospel and I noticed something I never noticed growing up. I noticed that all the time Jesus is saying he can't do this without the Father or he's only doing what he sees his Father doing. And I just took one of those samples out of John 5.19. It says, so Jesus explained I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son also does. And when I was thinking about this this week, I'm like, I feel like this could be like the one verse that we just might drop in the night because it's it's this, this statement that Jesus, fully God, fully man, the Savior of our souls, the almighty, never-ending King, who is totally perfect, blameless, true, right, the model for everything, says, oh, I can't do anything by myself. <laughs> I, am, I am so dependent on the Father. Everything you see me doing, I'm just following what the Father does. I can do nothing by myself. <laughs> he doesn't even say, I do a lot by myself, but this little area, that's my weak area, so I have to give it to my dad, you know? He literally says, I can do nothing outside of him. <laughs> I'm here to show you what the Father does. I'm here because I'm just doing what He's telling me to do. I can do nothing outside of Him. The thing about it is Jesus modeled a dependency on the Spirit of God, on, the, on His Father, on, on, the, on God. You know, He is God, but he, he, still, he still lived His life as fully God, fully man, in a way that was totally dependent on the Spirit of the Lord and on what His Father wanted Him to do. And He was perfect. And he was powerful. I love that one scripture that says, when we were believers, like we have the spirit that raised Christ from the dead. The spirit that was always in Jesus, the spirit of Jesus, was strong enough to overcome death. <laughs> Talk about power, you know. He was all powerful, and yet, verses like this, what does he say? I can do nothing on my own. I can do nothing without him. I want to talk about why this is so important too because I think that we can have a lot of very <coughs> strong individuals. And strength is such a good thing. Perseverance is such a good thing. The kind of gumption to pick yourself up by your bootstraps and get to work is a great characteristic. Because it's a characteristic that says, I am a faithful steward that is working hard and, and getting to work. I'm not being lazy. I'm working hard. Yeah. These are great things. And that's why I really want to get such a precise cutting away of what it is and what it isn't. Because I think when you hear me talk about dependency and reliance and all these things, it's very easy to go back to like, 
but what it means to be strong. Like these values and these virtues I admire about working hard and really being strong and pushing through and being, those are all parts that can exist in a space where you're also totally dependent on the Lord (laughs) and also totally not relying on only yourself. The thing is, when we're relying on no one, it says with our lives, I got this. <laughs> or I can handle this, or I don't need help. And I think there's a couple reasons for that. I don't want to kind of generalize too much, but one of the reasons might be because we actually think we're pretty qualified. Or rise or fall, it's like, hey, my life, my way, rise or fall, I can do what I can, I can't do what I can't, but I'm going to do pretty well. <laughs> That's why I don't need to reach out for help. That's why I don't need to yield to God in this because no, 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 I got this. And I think the temptation grows and grows as we get older because once we leave our, uh, our you know, 18 younger selves, you know, we do have a lot more freedom. We do have a lot more decisions that aren't tethered by mommy and daddy, though we honor them. But I'm just saying, like, we, we don't have to run all these decisions by all these other people. Suddenly it's our lives and we make the choices. We literally direct our lives however we see fit in a lot of ways. And what can happen as we get older, especially as we get into college, especially as we graduate college, especially as we join the workforce and really make our lives our lives, we get a really good sense of what we're made for. We get a really good sense of what we're good at, what our qualifications are. You know, if you think about it, like going into college is all about what are my prereq, like, like what am I meeting all the qualifications? I'm qualified because I did really great on SAT or because I did AB classes or ACT or SAT2 or whatever the kids are doing nowadays. Because I meet these qualifications, I, I see this is me. I got it. We're good. When you enter the workforce, you, you prepare a resume. Some of you are there, and Lord have mercy, the struggle's real sometimes. I, I know that. But it's like we sell ourselves on a piece of paper. These are my qualifications. These are what I can do. This is what I'm capable of. And there is no problem at all with knowing what we're good at, knowing what we've accomplished, knowing that we can handle. What is a problem is because I think our culture pushes us into this mold that we become our list of qualifications. And our list of qualifications become the lens by which we, we kind of reflect on ourselves. I, I'm trying to think of a, a really concrete way of understanding this. It's almost like these qualifications are who I am. And because this is who I am, I know I'm really good at these qualifications. Like this zone, this is my sweet spot. Like if this is your degree, I got this down. If you, if you have a really big background in sales, I'm a really good salesman. This is where I'm at. And suddenly we can believe that these qualifications are somehow ours because we've worked this much or because we've put in this time here. And again, it's not bad to have a sense of ownership with the gifts God's given us, but it is if it eclipses the fact that they're gifts. <laughs> it, 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 it's bad if it eclipses the fact that our qualifications and our qualities, they're there because God qualifies us. <laughs> They're not there because I've put in the time, because I've studied, because, although that's part of it, and that's really great stewardship, and that's good hard work, and that initiative and perseverance are such godly, amazing values. But we don't own these qualifications. Every good and perfect gift comes from God. So much about our lives is not about ownership, it's about stewardship. When I read 2 Corinthians 3.5, it says, It is not that we think we are qualified to do anything on our own. Our qualifications come from God. 
Oh, I think I nailed that one, right? <laughs> I didn't know this verse was in the Bible until today. I want to read it one more time. It is not that we think we are qualified to do anything on our own. Our qualifications come from God. This is 2 Corinthians. This is a verse written by, well, inspired by the Holy Spirit, but written by the Apostle Paul. This was the Pharisee of Pharisees. This was the man that he literally has another point in Scripture where it says, if any man can boast in himself, I could boast the best because my resume is stacked. He was like circumcised on the eighth day. He knew his scripture. He was the Pharisees of Pharisees. He persecuted anything that was outside of this belief system. He had it down. He had it down. And this is the same guy that says, I know what my world says. I've made it and I'm qualified. But this is the same guy that also says, I count everything as loss for the sake of knowing him. This is the guy that says, if anyone could boast, I could. But I've thrown it all down for the sake of Jesus. And it's the same guy writing that says, I can't do anything on my own. Qualification comes from God. And the problem is when we think we own these qualifications, we think that we can do it by ourselves. And we can get independent and we can forget our need. We can forget to be anchored in him. We forget that these things all come from somewhere and it's not from me and it's not from you. <laughs> and here's another problem is I think that sometimes this is another area where our, our values as Christians and our values as Americans sometimes get a little muddled because our country has such amazing virtues in our culture. Our, our, our country actually has some really cool ideals. Not all of them, Lord have mercy, but some of them are really great. <laughs> some of them are really great. You know what I mean? We talk about being the land of the free, the home of the brave. We talk about religious freedom. We talk about freedoms, period. We talk about honor. We talk about duty. We talk about service. We talk about these things, and they're amazing. But another thing that's really dominant in our culture is this idea of the self-made man. And I've talked about it before. It's this notion of, hey, I came into this country with nothing, or I was born to nothing, and I can make myself a star if I just work hard. And on the surface, I don't think that that's a bad thing. I think it's really great. It goes back to the hard work, the perseverance, the dreaming, the stepping up, the stepping into what we can do, and really believing the system works. And I think a lot of the times it actually does. But I think what can sometimes get lost in there is mixed in with that. We can believe this lie that we are self-made. <laughs> if we're self-made men, if we're self-made women, if we, if we really climb to the top with nothing but us, that's where it's a problem. <laughs> Because we're self-made, and that means we're self-destructive. <laughs> Why I think that matters is because when we're self-made, our lives are contingent upon our own resource. When we're dependent, when we're yielding to what the Lord wants, we have the resources of heaven at our disposal. <laughs> We have unlimited resources. And we can get blinded by this illusion that, well, the victories are sweeter, aren't they? Because if I'm self-made, all my accomplishments, all my victories, all my celebration, all my laurels, all my trophies, they're mine. You know? And isn't it sweeter? Isn't it sweeter if I'm not part of a team? Isn't it sweeter if I did this all by myself? Isn't it okay to be a little proud of that? The problem, again, is because we're neglecting where these gifts come from. 
And it's a really great way to inflate pride. <laughs> and it's a really great way to distort where exactly we think the glory goes <laughs> and where exactly we think the gifts come from. When we're self-made, I think part of it comes from this place of like, well, I deserve some glory, I deserve some praise. And I think the heart of the Christian says, my greatest honor is to be a co-laborer. My greatest honor is because Christ wants to do this with me. But the glory is his. The mission is his. The, the, the day in the sun is his. His mission is his. Like, I'm just a part of it. And the glory of me is to serve at the feet of the glory of him. You know? And I think we lose sight of that sometimes when we go for independence. And I think that independence can masquerade as a lot of different things. And that's why I want to be careful because it hides. Because I don't think there's anything wrong with being proud of a hard day's work or being so excited because, wow, look what I was able to accomplish with you, Jesus. Look where you've taken me. Look where you've blessed me. Look how you've done this. But it's different than being at the top and being like, wow, I did this all by myself. And on the other side of it, maybe just a self-preservation angle. Yeah, maybe the glory appears sweeter, but the defeats are so much more crushing. Because we lose our safety net. We, we lose our backer. We lose, we lose the co-labor. We lose any distributed responsibility. We lose anything, but every failure is on me. Everything that went wrong here is because of me. Where is my support? Where is my peace? Where is my comfort? Where is my, hey, this thing fell through, but I went here because of you. So I trust you even when it looks like defeat. And the problem is when we're self-made, when we're independent like that, we don't only take ownerships of our successes, we take ownership of our failures. And we can feel like those failures, and we can be consumed by the failure until the failure feels like what we are, not our qualification. Because in the same way that we owned all the good, when it goes poorly, we own the bad. And we say, this only failed because I failed here. This only fell through because I didn't do a good enough job. I didn't preserve it. I didn't make the same. It crumbled because of me. And suddenly, independence crushes us. The next thing I want to talk about is this idea of self-reliance versus being on a team. You know? You know, and before I really understood the value of the body of Christ, the first time I knew I really had a team was actually, if Joel, if you want to cue up a picture, um, this is one of my first teams. And so, yes. Yes. here we go. Oh my this is me right here. This is me. This is our good friend Jay, who hopefully we'll meet eventually. And then this is our very own Pastor Taylor. God bless him. He's at youth camp. This was like my OG team here at, at Laser Tag back in like our roly poly junior high days. This was my OG team right here. You know, this is our, our fearless leader right there. Um, I want to. I'm going to talk about a little bit of what it means to be on a team versus trying to do it by yourself. We can take the graphic down if we want. I'm worried we'll. I'm, I'm worried we'll distract the masses. <laughs> Thank you, God, for puberty. No, I'm just kidding. Oh. No, we just... These were some of my first best friends. <laughs> they're some of my closest best friends to this day. And why they're so really special to me is because before this, I didn't really have a lot of close friendships. You know, I had some here and there, 
but I had a lot of hard situations. I was bullied, then I became a bully because, you know, bullying begets bullying and it's bad. But it all happened like that. And I remember what it was like growing up, feeling like I was by, all my, by myself all the time. And then I remember what it was like when I was part of Team, team Awesome there. We actually called ourselves the loser table. There was more, there was more than us than the three, but anyway, Lord help us. Um, <laughs> Why I love this is because these men right here were able to show me so much of what it was like to feel like I had brothers in arms. Like I had family, like I had team, like I had a safety net. Like I had these people that understood me and were willing to walk beside me. Suddenly I wasn't by myself. Suddenly if I was picked on, they had my back. Unless they were picking on me, but you know, a little bit infighting happens here and there. But you know what I mean? Like it's, it was great. And it was so different than anything I'd ever known before. And the thing is, there's been seasons in my life where I've done the self-reliance thing, and there's been seasons in my life where I've done the community thing. You know, I had a really extreme case. When I graduated high school, I went to a school 300 miles away from my home where I knew no one. Pastor Taylor, he went hundreds of miles away to Kona, Hawaii to get lit up at YWAM, the mission base. And then that other guy, Jake, went all the way to Washington, D.C. to go to school. And suddenly my team spread out literally as far as we can go from each other in the USA. Like, like Hawaii, D.C., and me somewhere in like Central California area, hundreds of miles away, and suddenly my team's gone. And this was at a point in my life where I felt like I was, like I was describing earlier. Like I had the keys to the kingdom. I had the keys to my own life. I was in a great school, a great major, a great everything. Things were coming up dumb, you know? <laughs> it, was everything, it was everything I wanted. You know, and at this time I wasn't really believing in God. At this point, I was I was basically an atheist, but kind of a really disgruntled one. And like I think it was I think it was really more like a Christian that was so bitter he kind of tried to be an atheist. <laughs> and the Lord was probably like, these are like his emo years, you know. Like, I'll reel him in, but there's going to be some like a come to Jesus moment. Um, but anyway, I, w- I was suddenly in that role again. Like I hadn't been for such a long time, where all of a sudden. I was the the master of my own domain. I was king of my own castle. It was me. And I got to make all my own choices, be my own man, but I was so freaking lonely. I was and like I was surrounded by people and I met great roommates and great friends and had a great setup. But I felt alone because I even though I saw these people every day, I wasn't doing life with these people. <laughs> you know? I was clocking in, clocking out. It was like every day when I hung out with these people, I felt like I was at a party where I didn't really know anyone super well. You know, and it was cool. I'd eat their food. We'd hang out. We'd chat a little bit. But there was no real connection, you know? And once I got saved, I kind of realized, like, one of the things I missed was feeling like I had a team, feeling like I had a family, feeling like I had whatever. And, you know, with relationships of any kind, especially in the body of Christ, you know, you'll take some lumps along the way. You'll have a lot of hard moments. You'll have a lot of character versus character, opinion versus opinion, whatever. Personality quirk versus personality quirk. But when you really understand the body of Christ, like you really understand family, you kind of say you take the good with the bad because the prime goal is what unifies us, not what divides us. If you think about having a good family, you say, I don't care if we're crazy. I don't care if you just got out of jail. I don't care if you've been offending me. I don't care if this happened or that happened. You say, because we're blood. You know, And the thing that unifies us is blood. And that is so much bigger than the divisiveness that whatever. You know, But some of us might not have had a good home life. 
Some of us might not even understand what I'm talking about right now, but let me tell you that it exists. And I think even more than family is the body of Christ. Because the blood that unifies us there is Jesus's. And the body of Christ is one organism. He doesn't even say you're a little holy huddle, you're a little family. He says you're one body. He says you're like one thing, you know? And this is one of the reasons why the idea of denominations kind of gets me upset, just on kind of a, I don't know, just every conceivable level, I get a little upset. Not because people have their own opinions or choices or interpretations. I get that. What bothers me is that people have their own interpretations, decisions, thoughts on this, that, or the other thing with Christian culture. And instead of saying, cool, let's all exist and we just have differences and we, we cater to some of the differences as long as they're with Scripture, and let's just be family, we say, well, let's make a wall and be at each other's throats and just argue with each other about what's right and forget the fact that what we're unified by is so much bigger than the differences we have. Yeah. Sorry, I'm getting on a little tired here, but this really gets me going sometimes. Because I love unity. I love unity days. I love when we, like, I remember one time we had this event where it's like, they were like, really conservative Catholics next to us. There was some just regular old Protestants. We had some Methodists up in here. We had some Charismatics. We had some flag wavers showing up. It was, it was awesome. And we we're all here just praising God. And I'm like, oh, I know this is what heaven's going to look like. <laughs> we're going to have the deeply theological people on their knees kind of reverently singing hymns next to these people that are wigging around flags around the throne, just like skipping and doing backflips. And, and like all of us are just going to be singing, holy, you're so good. You know? Because I think up there, we're going to lose sight of anything that ever tried to divide us. Because up there, we're going to see clearly... And I want us to see it here first, which is that the thing that unifies us as the body of Christ is so much bigger than anything that can divide us. Mm. So why does that matter with self-reliance? Is because we can't be team players and also be self-reliant. We can't have a life that says, I am so fiercely independent and strong, I literally have no need of you. Because how is that going to make the team feel? You know? I've been water boy before, and I'm like, yeah, I'm on the team. And everyone's like, you're not really on the team. I'm like, yeah, I am. I have my role like they have theirs. They block people, I pass out water. <laughs> what do we do without the blocker? The guy gets tackled. What do you do without water? You all pass out. Which one's more important? <laughs> I'm not saying I need to be captain because I'm a team player, but I'm just saying <laughs> the team is important. And even if we think we're strong, 99% of this, I'm so strong, I barely need anything, right? What about the things you do need? Because I guarantee there's people in the body that need it, that need you. And I guarantee that areas that we all think we're good and we're strong, I think that there's a lot of need there too. We don't always see it though because we have some hubris going on, I think. I want to read this. 1 Corinthians 12, 26 and 27 says, If one part suffers, it's talking about the body of Christ, all parts suffer with it. If one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. I love the way he established church. I love the way Jesus picked his team. It doesn't totally make sense to me, but I know he's wise, you know? He says, I want all of you. If you've accepted me, I want you. You're your first line draft pick, all of you somehow. Somehow that just works. You're all first stringers. You're all my starting line, but my starting line is real big. <laughs> across nations and job sites and, and families. It's, but you're all my starting lineup. And you're all needed. You're all needed. 
And I love how he connects us. He says, if one of you suffers, it's like you all suffer. If one of you is honored, it's like we're all really glad. I think of how stupid it is if I break my leg and the rest of me is just like, stupid leg, why can't it be strong like everything else? When it's like, oh man, my whole body's kind of screwed up because I broke my freaking leg. Like, oh leg, please get better. Like, let's all, let's, let's be okay again, you know? Like, I, I, that's kind of a really weird way to do that. But you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's stupid to be mad at a part of your body, you know? Because it's like, man, I really hate my pinky finger because it sucks. But then it's like, well, one day you're going to need to bring in a bunch of groceries from your car and you have one finger left so that you don't have to bring in a second trip. And what if that pinky was gone? You have a whole separate trip, you know? Another dumb image, but you know what I'm saying? It's like we're really thankful for our pinky in those moments, you know? We might not need it every second of the day, but when it counted, we're really glad it's there. I think, I think that that's how the body of Christ is supposed to be. We're not supposed to fight at each other. We're not supposed to be like, oh, you're dumb, or you're this, or we don't need you, whatever, we're too good for you. We're good with all the other four. It's like, no, I want you for the day. I need that one extra bag in from the... I don't want you just for that. It's because you're part of the whole thing. You're part of the package. You're part of it, you know? He just established us to be this unit, to be this team, to be this thing, and it's so hard to do it when we get hung up on, we can just do it all by ourselves, you know? And let me be clear, I think another reason why self-reliance and independence can be such an enticing thing sometimes for us is because I think that sometimes we think that it's easy to be like, I'm great, look at me with what I've done. And I think on, in like, I think on some really deep level, I think all of us sort of want to be great, right? I don't think anyone opens their eyes and at the morning of the day and just be like, oh. Let's be mediocre. Like, you know, I don't think I don't think that that's how we start our day on any conceivable level. Or if we do, we're not stoked about it, you know? I don't think any of us is like I don't think our morning cry is like mediocrity and complacency and I'm just going to be average. Like get lost in the crowd and never have a voice. I don't think that that's any of us. I think on every level we want to be great. And can I be real for a minute? Like, the greatness doesn't mean you're in front with the spotlight on you, super stoked on life. The greatness can be, I just want to be appreciated for this really cool thing I can do. Or it could be, I want to be great because I want to do this thing that I really love. I want to do it well. Or this thing that's in front of me, I really want to do it well. I want to be the best at this thing I'm good at. I want to be the best at this thing I'm passionate about. I just want to be the best. I want to make an impact. I want to feel like my life has weight. I want to feel like... I'm serving something great. I want to see, feel like I'm doing something bigger than myself. And I want, to, I want to kind of be like, wow, look at them. Not like, who was that? <laughs> and I think we all get that. But the thing is with that is like, and again, like it can masquerade as like, so we want to do it all by ourselves so that we get the glory or so that we get whatever or so that we can be great. And I think it kind of mixes, like I think that some of this stuff is blended, which is why it's so important to kind of like separate this stuff out. Because Jesus, he talks about, like, he talks about greatness. He talks about it. He talks about it here in Matthew 20, 25 through 28. He says, but Jesus called them together. These are his best friends. This is his apostles. These are his, his homies, his, his team, you know. He says, you know that the rulers in this world lorded over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it'll be different. 
Whoever wants to be the leader among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man, that's Jesus, came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. He says, you know how in this culture we're brought up in, the people on the top of the pyramid really like to be on top and like to say, hey, I'm on top. Forget you guys on the bottom. You know how people in our culture say, hey, greatness means I'm at the top. See me on the top. Forget you guys. He says, that's not how greatness is. Not when I'm around. He says, greatness means you're the best servant you can be. Greatness means taking the lowest place and being able to serve. The mark of leadership, as far as I'm concerned, is getting on your knees and serving. That is why I am serving. Fully God, fully man, eternal king, gets on his knees and washes dirty feet. The lowest of the low conceivable things to do in Israel at that time. (laughs) And he does it because he said, I came not to be served. I came to serve. And I am the king. And I am the greatest. And I came to do this. You want to be great, follow after me. And what I love about Jesus in this moment, he talks about greatness and he doesn't rebuke greatness. He doesn't rebuke the want, the like the desire in us to be great. He, re- he rejects the pride. He rebukes the pride. <laughs> he rebukes what our culture defines it as. He rebukes what we've made it. He rebukes any false definition of what greatness is. But he never rebukes greatness. He says, you want to be a leader here. You want to be great here. You want to be the best here. You want to be in a position here. You want to be these things. And he never says, shame on you for wanting a high position. He never says, shame on you for wanting to be the best. Not for Shame on you for wanting to be the greatest. He says, you want that? This is what it is. <laughs> you want greatness? You can have greatness. This is the way to greatness. Follow after me. He doesn't say, don't want to be great. I think he put that in us. I think that's human nature. I think that that's part of his nature, is the desire to be great. But let me define for you what that greatness really is. The last thing I want to talk about is perfectionism versus excellence. How does this relate to self-reliance and independence? It is all wrapped up in this giant ball of reliance. (laughs) When we're independent, when we're bound by, hey, we don't need them, we don't need whatever, we got this. Like I mentioned before, our successes are so wrapped up in our own ability to achieve things, you know? Remember what I said earlier about sometimes we can become these qualifications and we can become these things that we can do. And so, so much becomes performance-driven, you know? So, of course, it's easy to want to be a perfectionist because it feels like it's a direct reflection of who we are, right? I think so. I think it's really easy for it to look like that. When we think we're doing it all by ourselves, our performance becomes our metric for ourselves, right? Because then all we're doing, because we're doing it all by ourselves, this is what we are. This is who we are. When we are independent, when we are self-reliant, when we are that, 
we can be consumed by perfectionism because we feel like it is the measure by which we are ourselves. <laughs> and that's really bad. <laughs> because then we can get a work mentality, then we can get a, 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 a mentality that totally rejects the notion of grace, which totally rejects the notion of stewardship, which totally rejects the idea that he doesn't want our perfection, he wants our stewardship. He doesn't want us to have it all figured out. He wants to co-labor with us. He wants to prove that verse true that says, when we are weak, he is strong. He wants to walk with us. Why would he want to walk with us if we were perfect? We probably wouldn't need him then, right? And on this side of eternity, he wants to do this whole life with us. He wants relationship with us. And I feel like we understand how to access him better when we understand our need without him. Bless you. But perfectionism is different than excellence. Excellence says, I want to be a faithful steward. I want to do what I have been given the best that I can do. I want it to be a shining example. I want, to st- I want it to be amazing. I want my workmanship to mean something. I want to be dependable. I want to demonstrate these values. I want to show integrity. I want to show, hey, I have my own, I have a standard here. And it's important. And it shows something about my life and about whose life is living in me and who I serve. And it shows all that. But that's different than saying, everything needs to be perfect, otherwise I suck. (laughs) When we are self-reliant, we can get consumed by this perfection works mentality of everything needs to be perfect otherwise I'm broken and I suck (laughs) excellence says I'm going to do the best that I can because I've been given so much I will do it to the best of my ability but I understand that I make mistakes because I'm human and God is so good and I have a team with me that supports me I have a God that supports me and it's okay (laughs) it doesn't mean that I don't try to do everything I can it doesn't mean I don't strive to be great and to steward these things well. But it does create a difference between why am I doing this? Am I doing it to be a good steward? Am I doing it to be faithful with what God's given me? Am I doing it to demonstrate these values that God has taught me and that I believe in and I stand for? Or am I doing it just because I believe that if I don't, I'm a, somehow I'm, I'm like defective and I suck? <laughs> So those are kind of my three points. I wanted to talk about the idea of independence versus empowerment. I wanted to talk about the idea of self-reliance versus the team mentality. And I wanted to just talk about perfection versus excellence. Because these are just some of the main ways I see that self-reliant, independent spirit um, getting in the way of really what we're supposed to carry, which is we're a team. And as Christians, we are really dependent. And just because we're older, just because we have more responsibility, just because we're big boys, big girls, men and women, and proud of, to, to be who we are, and to do what we can, as if that somehow means that all of this wasn't stewardship, if all of this wasn't a gift, if all of everything I have was something that God gave me, and I'm here to do the best that I can, and I'm surrounded by grace. Um, and I wanted us to see that, because I think that we are a group of very driven, strong leadership potential people. And I just want to make sure we separate out some of those really fine details 
of what is at the core of this. What is at the core? Is it excellence or is it this perfectionist because whatever? <laughs> is it because we want to be happy with the accomplishments we do and we want to do it well or is it because we want all the glory and we can do it by ourselves and we don't trust the team and we don't want to believe in the team? Um, and I just wanted to point it out. When we're self-reliant, it can be really isolating <laughs> because we don't ever open up enough to admit that there's actually need. And whether we think it or not, we have a deep need. It's how we were designed. <laughs> we have a need that only he's meant to fill. I think we have needs that only the church he's giving us is meant to fill. I'm not talking about the building. I'm talking about the body of Christ. Because me as a hand says, wow, I really need to get somewhere. I should probably use the foot. <laughs> he designed us to be, he designed us to have needs, <laughs> you know. And he designed us in a way that we have to co-labor with him as Christians. Or we won't make it. <laughs> and I just wanted us to see that we're not designed to without him. And that there's so much grace and we're not alone. So I just want to pray for a minute. If we can just all bow our heads. I know that was kind of long. I want to pray a minute and I want us to stand up and I have some like action steps. Literally what I call like underline and exclamation point. Action steps. So anyway, I just want to pray over all of us. Um, I know that this was a heavier message because pride issues are never fun. <laughs> but I really just want us, if we can just put our hands out in just a receiving position, I really just believe that the Lord, like, He just wants to get our attention. Because I don't think He's coming through with a bat being like, bring it down! I really think He's like, I want to show you some differences. I want to show you a better way. I want to make you feel like you're not alone and that you don't have to do it by yourself. And that you don't have to hold yourself to an impossibly high standard that you've set, your family set, your culture set, whatever has set for you. You're already beloved. You already passed the line. You already made it because you accepted me. You live by grace. Now let's be great together. <laughs> so Lord, all around the room tonight, in whatever way that speaks to us, in whatever way we were even offended, God, I, I mean, forgive me. Like, <laughs> it happens. Family offends each other sometimes. God, I just thank you for your spirit of revelation. I thank you that you really want to differentiate these things. Because you want each and every one of them to be the greatest they can be. <laughs> you want them to be the strongest they can be. You want them to be glad with the way they steward every single thing that you've given them. You want them to not have a single thing that you've entrusted to them fall flat on the ground. You want them to flourish. You want all the gifts and dreams and talents and qualities that you've given them that they're passionate about, that you've placed there to thrive. You want them to stand out. You want them to be the light of the world and the salt of the earth. You want them to make waves. You want them to be different. Whether that's loud or silent like a whisper, you still want them to stand out and you meet them all where they're at and you have such a unique plan for all of them. And for this next part, guys, if you if you disagree with any of this, just like really pray it out in your hearts. You can pray it out, out loud if you want, but really just agree with it in your hearts. God, we just repent for anything, for any ways that we have been self-reliant. And for a lot of you, I think that this was more or less kind of a hidden thing or a thing you were kind of aware of. 
I don't think any of you guys were really malicious about it. Like, of course I am. I'm great. I think a lot of you were like, I didn't even realize these were ways I was thinking or ways I was operating in. So God, I just want to say that you just give them so much grace, Lord. And I just, I thank you for the way that we can come before you, myself included, and just repent for the ways that we say we think we can handle it on our own. We think that the measure of a man, the measure of our woman, isn't what we accomplish and in not whose we are. Thank you that you qualified me with everything I ever needed and could have ever strived for and still missed the mark by everything. The day you said, you're my son, you're my daughter. You're chosen, you're wanted, you have already excelled because when I look at you, I look at Jesus. And he was perfect. <laughs> Let that play the place we live out of again. God, I rebuke any spirit of striving, any spirit of pride, independence, perfectionism, anything that says, I reject grace. <laughs> we say, leave now. Get away from my heart. Get away from my relationships. Get away from those moments I'm by myself or when I'm surrounded in people and it weighs me down. Because the truth is I'm already part of one body. I'm already part of a team. I'm already chosen. I'm already seen as perfect somehow because I've accepted what you did for me, Jesus. And I know that's how you see me. So I don't need to see myself as someone that needs to meet all these criteria. And I thank you, God, all around the room. I thank you that you're going to teach us new ways to be part of this team, new ways to rest in your grace, and let that actually mobilize us to be the greatest we can be and to shine like we've never shined and to excel how we've never excelled because at our core, you are there and we are not. So I thank you, God, and I bless them. And wherever they are right now, if they're not even listening, but they're with you, God, I bless that too. And I say thank you for moving powerfully in their hearts tonight. I thank you, God, that whatever you, I spoke that was from you, God, that you remind their heart, that you use to shift and catalyze them, that you use it to bless others. And anything I spoke in error, God, that you just strike it from their memory <laughs> so that we can all go from glory to glory together. I thank you for all these things, and I bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Okay. One more thing, and I swear I'm done. I've talked a lot, you know. Anyway, if we can all just stand up really quick. It's time for the action steps. I want us to be able to. I want us to be able to count them out. You ready? Everyone, do thumbs up. I will share. I will share. My weaknesses, my weaknesses with others. With others. Okay. What the heck did I just say? Right? <laughs> Let me temper it, right? I'm not saying you go around to everyone saying your shortcomings and blaring it from the microphone or whatever. I'm just saying when we are when we think we got it all together but we're actually struggling, this says I want us to find those people that are in our family, in our body of Christ, and say I will open up my heart to them and share a way I am weak. Because my family will cover me. Because when one part suffer, we all suffer. And when one part is honored, we're all glad. And in those moments of weakness, I will find trusted family in my life, body of Christ in my life, to say, let me open up my heart a little bit and show you this is something I'm really bad at. I'm having a really hard time. That's number one. 
Number two. Declare. I don't need. I don't need to be perfect. To be perfect. Or. Or. Have. All the right answers. All the right answers. Yes. This one's a little less intense, but it's something that we can declare out and say, we don't need to be perfect. <laughs> Let's give ourselves permission not to act like we have it all figured out when we're actually struggling or actually don't know what we're doing. Number three. I will. Ask for help. Strong people in the room were like, never! <laughs> it's the same thing. We're willing to be people who say, I actually have a need here. I'm actually struggling. I actually need help. I think a great mark of leadership, of greatness, of actually being someone who stands out, is being the first person on the line to be vulnerable. And a great way to do that, a great way to show your reliance is just to say, I need help. Number four. We're almost done. I will share. I will share. More of my heart. More of my heart. Again, there's checks and balances with this. This doesn't mean I throw it all at anyone, you know. This doesn't mean if I'm single, I throw it at the opposite gender and be like, here is my heart. Everyone check out my most vulnerable moments. Or in a relationship. Hey, just whatever. You check your hearts. It means, again, with trusted family, with trusted friends, with the body of Christ, we will actually be willing to share more of our heart. Good and bad. It's easy to share the good. It's, it's harder to share. I'm struggling a little bit. Can you surround me? The last one. Are we ready? Number five. That pinky. Remember? It's important. I will give thanks. I will give thanks. For my... For my... Mistakes. Mistakes. Ah! <laughs> we give thanks for our mistakes because my Lord can teach me there and I can remember grace. Mm, that's good. Wasn't it the Lord that said through His Spirit, you will face trials and tribulations of all kind, but I've overcome the world. He never said we wouldn't be tested. He never said we wouldn't have trials. He never said we wouldn't stumble a little bit. But even what the devil intends for evil, the God can use for good. So we can give thanks for our mistakes because he can teach us and he can demonstrate grace and he can show us that he's still there and our family's still there. Mm -hmm. So thank you guys. I'm going to repeat them out for you again. If you can just follow me with your fingers. You don't have to repeat after me though. I will share my weaknesses with others. You guys are great. I will declare I don't need to be perfect. Or have all the right answers. I will ask for help. I will share more of my heart. I will give thanks even for my mistakes. Well, you all sound like freer people to me. Praise Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you for listening to the Crux Podcast Sermon of the Week. Be sure to visit SummitSanMarcos.com for other exciting content from Summit Church.
mighty.